Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Family life is hard. It's not for the faint of heart. The truth is that being a mother and a father and raising children is one of the most gratifying and rewarding things that we can do here on earth, but it's also not easy. And many of the saints agree with that assessment. Today, for the first time in studio, I have the most special guest I've ever had and will ever have on this show. So let's get started. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media, restoringthefaith.com. This is the Living the Faith Podcast, coming at you again from the heart of America, where I am joined in studio today by my wife, Mrs. Mike. Hello. Can I say your name? Okay, this is Lizette. Lizette is my wife. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me. We're talking today about raising children and families, and I really thought it was important to have a perspective that only you can bring. And fundamentally, I think that it can be discouraging in the modern world to raise children in the faith, uh, which a lot of times means to homeschool them. And when you are in this homeschooling circle, there's a lot of temptation out there to try to keep up, I guess, with what other people are doing. Have you felt that before? Sure, sure, definitely. I remember when we were first getting started, and I remember being the only one in our circle who didn't want our children to in a whole lot of activities and I remember being discouraged by other people saying oh your child's not doing x y and z I remember um, adults who had been in our same in our same path and saying you should put your children in more activities and it's good for them they need to socialize they're not getting it from homeschooling and I remember just feeling very chaotic to have them in a lot of activities and we did give it a try and I felt like the family was splitting up. Some some of us were eating sandwiches at home, and some of us were going to Wendy's afterwards. And then some, you know, this never happened to us, but we saw it with other families. They were splitting up even for mass, and mm-hmm. so because some some children have soccer on Sunday mornings and exactly. baseball on Sunday afternoons, and so you split the family into two or three ways. Sure. So at first, I it kind of was trying to get a grasp of it and by seeing the fruits from other families. And it just, it didn't seem like something that was going to work for us, but I never knew how to say this isn't working How for to verbalize us. it. Sure. Yeah. Um, and this is a woman's intuition to look at other families and sort of 
survey the landscape, the Catholic landscape at your parish or uh, at your Catholic homeschooling um, community and say, this family I admire, this family seems chaotic. And so you started adopting, I guess, what amounts to kind of a philosophy from the families that you admired. It's true. It wasn't until we saw one family in particular, which is, I think, the inspiration for the entire show. Um, They were a traditional family, Catholic, and they looked very put together. And I thought, what are they doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Were you surprised to learn what they were doing? I was very surprised. Well, what was more surprising, what they were doing or what they were not doing? (laughs) So I thought, this woman is definitely living for her children. She must have them in all of these activities, and they're all astounding human beings. And as it turns out, she wasn't living for her children. She was teaching her children to live for God and to live for the family. And I think when I understood that, it was very reassuring to what we were trying to aspire. Okay, when you say that a mother is not living for her children, I mean, I, I think we have to unpack what you what you actually mean by that because I, I don't think you mean quite what it sounds like. Pardon me, yes. Clearly, you live for your children. Right, I've right. seen this, okay? I, I'm a witness to this fact. Lizette lives for our five children, and God willing, we'll have five or ten more. But... Um, you're you're referring to kind of like the American soccer mom, very busy, sure, taking the children from this practice to that activity to this recital to you know to that. Exactly, that's what I'm talking about. So this it it is that it is the family becoming very chaotic in le- in taking children to their various activities, and I think the family splits up, and I think that the the children become the core of the family, the center of it. They become uh, everything that the parents are are living for. The parents are running to X, Y, and Z. The father is is maybe cooperating. Maybe he takes the children to practice. Maybe he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but the father is no longer the head of the family. The, the father's kind of a, a chauffeur, as the mother is. It's so. It's almost like in that situation, the children become the head de facto of the family precisely and what are in your intuition in your observation um what are the fruits of that when the children have been the head of their family for their whole lives then what is the end product of that right so i think that Parents start from the get-go in the, with a toddler, with, a, with their baby, taking a baby signing class, taking them to toddler gymnastics, taking them to infant swim. You know, you just, you just go along ballet, preschool, dance, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the parents kind of flame out, and the children are the head of the family. And... I think that ultimately when the parents flame out, then they don't realize that the whole purpose was for their child to, you, you really want your child to, to go into their proper vocation. And I think that parents think that their, vo- that their job as a parent ends when the child goes to college. But we've seen this time and time again, the child comes back home to live with the parents afterwards and such and such. So even though you had your child in all these tournaments and all of these activities and they learned Latin when they were four and they were, you know, reading when they were three, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't fall properly into their proper vocation. And then they're not 
happy adults because you didn't teach them the proper rhythm of life and the proper order of life. You didn't teach them the proper order of a matrimony. And so and what and what is the proper order of a matrimony? The proper order. I I just started reading this book, which was highly recommended by some of the ladies at church, and I just opened it. I'm probably on page ten, and maybe some of the women out there want to read alongside me. But it's called Fascinating Womanhood, and I'm very grateful to the ladies who recommended it. But it's talking about how the, the woman wants to be. She should be. She should captivate her husband's heart and she should serve her husband. And in that, her husband will be very happy. And I think that the proper order would be for the children and the wife to serve the husband. And I think that we can learn this from all of our history. Mm -hmm. I think that the pages and the squires and knights of medieval times, they a knight didn't become a knight until he had served the women and then he had served the night, and he learned how to become an adult, and he learned that becoming an adult is something you aspire to become because that's where, that's where you want to be. That's the end goal. It's not that the adults want to become children by serving them. The end goal is that the children want to become adults, and that's who they are serving. And they, in that process, they learn honor and obedience, and they learn humility. What you're suggesting is calmness and simplicity in the home life. Uh, what you're suggesting sounds like you you stay home and do things at home. I mean, it's is is That's that an correct. overly simplified way of saying it? It's not, and and I didn't I didn't come up with this. I didn't. I'm not reinventing the wheel. This was this has been passed down, and I'll never forget when very holy bishop told us he said he looked at us in the eye and he said it's just the mother's job to stay mm-hmm. home just stay home and teach your children the faith and that was that was bishop schneider who looked you in the eyes and told you that yes he <laughs> said just stay home be the heart of the home and your only job is to teach your children the catechism and it was with that that i felt a lot of peace about our choices to not be overly involved in activities for the children and not to flip our home upside down in trying to get our children from activity to activity. Now, what would you what advice would you give to the mother right now who's got two or three children and including a toddler and a baby and is really trying to make sure that it you know, one of them is learning to read and one is learning to walk and the other's learning to potty train and she's pulling her hair out and 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 she feels like she she needs to hit these milestones, these educational milestones, uh, or these developmental milestones. What would you tell her? I would say again, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Everything I have to say has been taught to me. Um, I remember asking that same question, and I remember a mother saying, "Teach them about God. Teach your children to pray." And I'm thinking, okay, there are toys all over the floor, and my house is is a mess and I have dishes and my husband's working late. And she said, teach them to pray. And I thought, that's wonderful. Yeah, that that sounds easy. I mean, it sounds nice. It sounds like armchair quarterback advice. No, no, it truly, truly, that would be, that would be my best advice. And that's something that I have trouble doing and I try to do. And it's hard to have the pot overflowing and 
a child with a poopy and then you're trying to get everyone to kneel down and pray, but really you just get everyone to kneel down and pray. And I think that's, that's, that calms everybody down and that becomes the heart of the home. And then also I think, I think uh, lately since you've been working from home with the lockdown, um, Mm -hmm. I think sending the children downstairs to bring you something, to bring you a meal, to bring you a drink, to ask you if you need something. So, Teaching the children to serve their their parents, I think, is also instrumental. It's not as though our children are in zero activities, though, right? That's correct. That's correct. I do think music is important. We've had them playing music for a while, and I also am fascinated with um, with horseback riding. I think I think they should learn something about animals. I think they should learn to care for an animal, and I think that I think that learning to ride a horse is. is but again, you're you're working with an, a create. You're working with something created, with something God created. God created the horse. Mm-hmm. And music speaks to God. It's a, it's it's a way to pray. It's a way. It's a form of prayer. It's a form of elevating. But yes, you're right. It's not as if our children are not in any activities. Um, but I would say that it's that we could we could do without them. And I would say that for the family who who cannot afford it or or is is on the on the line and doesn't want to do them, I would say it's it's okay to not do it for a while. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the critic who would say, well, is that that all sounds nice and holy and I'm sure Bishop Schneider may have said that to you, but Bishop Schneider may not be aware that we live in a global economy and it's very competitive out there. And how can you make sure that your children are prepared for their vocations, especially the boys, to compete in the workplace? I would say that I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's an okay answer. That's an okay answer. So for, for perspective, could you give the audience perspective? How old is our oldest child? Because obviously we have not reached the stage in life where we have an 18-year-old leaving the house or a 16-year-old leaving the house or whatever the case is. Uh, Our oldest is 11 and our youngest is 15 months. Okay. And as objectively as possible, um, how would you you say that other people, outside people, who may or may not be aware of our lifestyle, who may or may not be aware that we homeschool, et cetera, whatever. What is kind of the general reaction do you think people have to the demeanor, behavior, presentation of our children just day-to-day at a restaurant or at the grocery store or whatever? I think people are surprised to see order. I think they recognize it, and it's almost a glimpse. It's a veiled thought you know it's something they 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 haven't yet imagined but they feel that it should be that way and it's not it's not just it's not our family it's the families who who we've emulated and who we've learned for from and they're the ones doing this as well no doubt and we're all just trying to go out into the world and um and have our children live in the world but not be of the world and um, I do think that when people see order, they, they really like it. Mm-hmm. I think at one point you were fond of saying, I would rather my children go to heaven than to Harvard. I did. And 
Um, do you think that those are mutually exclusive or do you think that's just a, a fun bumper sticker? I think it's a fun bumper sticker. I think we're very blessed to know highly intelligent Catholics. And I think that, that you can do both. I think you can do both. And we now we know families just in our limited subjective experience in our circle who have homeschooled successfully. Children have maintained the faith and all of the adult children are not only good practicing Catholics, but they're providing for their families and pursuing vocations and have attained uh, college degrees, etc., right? That's correct. I do think that who you marry is, is the most important or your vocation. I do think that going into that is the most important. And however you can achieve that, I think is... So you're saying that the most important thing that the most important decision that a young adult can make who is going to get married is choosing the right partner. That's correct. Can you expand on that? I don't know. I mean, if you marry, clearly if you marry the wrong person, it's, it's an irrev, it's an irrevocable uh, mistake, right? Sure. And and you can't get out of it. Right. And it permeates through the family and it creates disorder and chaos. Right. So describe what the right person is or looks like for the young folks who might be watching this. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think their parents would know. Their parents would be able to lead them. I think their parents, I think, believe your parents, trust what your parents say. Um, they know you best. But I will say that I do remember reading a quote, and it said, 99% of your success in life is determined by the person you marry. And I think, I think that's something that I've, I've believed for a long time. And that's why I don't think that children need to be in soccer and baseball and tennis and swim and, you know, because, or don't necessarily need to go to Harvard um, because their happiness is going to be based on the person they marry. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're more likely to lose your faith in at Harvard or on Wall Street or at, at, at any of the highest echelons of of worldly success. I mean, it's life is is in some ways a perpetual conflict between the world, the flesh, and the devil, and eternity. And the more you invest yourself in the world, uh, don't you? I mean, you leave yourself open to becoming a worldling. Talk about the psychology of a young child and what you think is happening in their in their little consciousness and compare that and contrast between the the child who has to wait I mean and we know these kids who have to wake up at five AM because they have to do go to daycare and then they have activities and then they're they they go from thing to thing to thing versus the child who is able to live sort of what you're describing as almost a rule of life, of, of having some kind of order in their life and simplicity. Sure. I think that a child, a child feels very calm, and I, can't, I don't know that I can speak to the psychology of it just from the little that I've read, um, but I think that a child likes the consistency, likes the rhythmic life, 
um, likes to know what they can anticipate. Um, I think that if, I think families should live for for the father and also with the the babies in mind. I think you should always think about what the babies are taking in. Um, and I think that we looked at each other and we said, uh, when I was reading from Fascinating Womanhood, and we said, we owe it to our children. If we, if we owe them anything, we don't owe them tons of activities. We owe them the consistency of of a rhythmic life, and we owe them the order of a family, mm-hmm. the, the proper order of a family. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to um, maintain any semblance of order as, I mean, it's, it's, it's already hard enough as your family grows. But then as each child develops uh, skills and tastes and aptitudes and then you and then you want to cultivate those things, uh, it's easy to for the units to be pulled apart. That's right. So I guess to wrap it up, um, you are saying, that it's okay to slow down. It's okay to take a pause and recollect yourself and to and to stay home. That's correct. I think that we owe the children what we do owe them is 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 an encompassing form of life that teaches them what the duties of each person in the house are. And if we are running from activity to activity, then we have never taught them the proper order. And it is through those mundane activities mm-hmm. or household uh, rhythms and traditions where they are learning this. They're not learning it from running to activity to activity. They're learning it from us slowing down and for 25 years encompassing in our daily lives what the structure of the family should resemble. For for those who are still have doubts in their minds, who are saying, gosh, it sounds like, for the clerics out there, the cleric moms, who are thinking, I, I can't imagine myself sitting on the couch and sending the children outside and, and patting myself on the back. That is manifestly not what you do. No. Could you describe some of the things that you do when you're when you're home? What a what an ideal day, maybe not what a typical day looks like, but what an ideal day would look like? Sure, sure. I, I think you're right though. People do have this misconception that mm-hmm. um I'm a stay at home mom and I I don't know, my children teach themselves, I'm not sure. Um sure. I think um we wake up in the morning, we you and I have coffee, then Sometimes you go you go to work and then the children get up and they have they help me to make breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's I think that is where you teach teamwork. You teach teamwork in the house. People say my children have to learn teamwork by being on a team, and I think they learn teamwork by serving in a house. And they learn it. They make breakfast together, and if they're not making breakfast, then they're playing their music instrument, and then they serve the table. And when it's cleanup time, the the other children who didn't help set the table are the ones playing their instruments. And then we all clean up together. We 
go to our home school while I'm teaching one, then one of the older ones, and the other older one is with the little ones. And again, this is teaching them to grow outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we do some school, then again, the same idea with lunch, you know, and, and, um, I'm sorry, I forgot. I forgot our prayers. You you lead morning prayers. Then when you're gone, then I do um, the Angelus and noon prayers with the children before lunch, and um, then they go outside and play. Um, so generally, you try to do the schooling and the music in the morning, and then the afternoon is for an outdoor activity or for some other activity. Sure, sure, exactly. And you are very big on serving a hot breakfast. Every single day. Yes. And some kind of lunch and then a hot dinner. Yes. That's correct. And you have found that that works for you and that works for it, us. It does. It works for us. Um, the children help. Uh, they help make the food. They help clean up. Um, and I think that they behave better when they eat a good meal. And it, it works for our family. Mm -hmm. Do you worry at all that the boys, and we have four boys, that they're not going to have that competitive drive, that competitive edge because they're not competing for a starting position on a six-year-old football team? I don't worry about a lot of things. <laughs> I remember when we did meet this family, which we keep referring to, um, I remember we came to one of the weddings, and mm -hmm. I remember this is this is the mother of the bride, and I was so desperate to get information from her on what she was doing, and she's about to get on the elevator, and I just walked to her, and I said, how did you do it? And she steps onto the elevator, and the elevator's door, door is closing, and she said, it was God. And I thought, no, I need no, more no. information. Give me a real answer, lady. <laughs> I need Come more on. information. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, it really is God. You can see her saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, final bucket of uh, of of stuff. I think it's pretty obvious that we homeschool. We've chosen a homeschool. I have to state that the the ideal would be that the children attend a Catholic school. That's what that's what the objective ideal is: is that the church would undertake the teaching of the children. That's not possible in the times in which we live today. So, um, talk a little bit about your decision to to undertake homeschooling from the beginning, uh, what you consider to be a homeschooling activity when, when, when you begin schooling a child and, um, and, and just dispel some of the, some of the rumors, I guess, the myths about how difficult people say it is and how irresponsible, I guess it can seem, uh, for, you know, for all mothers to take this on. Sure. I think, I think most importantly, it's a, a household should have good books. I think the books that you bring into the home are very important. Mm -hmm. I think um, math and reading, good books are the key. And I think a lot of subjects out there, like history and geography, can be done together. You just do them at different grade levels. Um, so you'll teach them one aspect of history to your first grader and you teach a different aspect of it to your third grader, but you're all learning the same uh, history, the same geography, the same science. Um, and that's kind of how I simplify our homeschool. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you're in a public school, it, it's, it seemed like you and I, we learned the same thing year after year after year. 
you cram the whole year, you you do a data dump all summer, then you come back and then you realize, okay, I got to start over. Yes. So we So we don't do that we because don't do that. because <laughs> <laughs> because we we work around the liturgical calendar and we take Christmas off and we take Easter off and mm-hmm. we don't necessarily take spring break or summer, but we take we we work around the liturgical calendar. We go to mass all of Holy Week and we so we subsequently to that and because we don't push super hard we end up schooling year round we finish a school year in August and then start it start the next year also in August right September I mean, 1st <laughs> so so there's not like a there's not like a summer break but if we have to take a road trip or we have to go visit somebody who's sick or whatever it's easy to put all that stuff on the shelf and it's and it's okay and it's okay and i think that that's part of that is part of our homeschool. It is it is to go see someone who is sick. It is to write a thank you card. It it's it's part of their writing. If they didn't do their writing book, it's okay because they mm-hmm. wrote a thank you card. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think that if you and I, I've interviewed young men for jobs before. I've been in a position where I'm making hiring and firing decisions. I will tell you, it goes a long way. If a young man knows how to dress himself, can shake your hand, look you in the eyes, remember your name, and write you a thank you card. None of these things will they learn at a typical school, be it secular or religious. So I think when you talk about preparing your children to succeed in the world, I mean, heck, scientists have proven that the first impression that you have on somebody is so important and it's lasting and it's difficult to undo. I think a lot of homeschool kids give great first impressions. I agree. I agree. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to homeschool even while I was pregnant with our first is because I was very impressed with the homeschool children's children we had met. And have you felt ever unprepared for a subject, for the technical aspect, uh, and what are your plans for high school? I have not felt unprepared, and I remember in college having friends, and that's the first time I heard of homeschooling. I remember in college a friend saying, oh, I was homeschooled, and I thought, wow. And she said, this college isn't much different than homeschooling. I did a bunch of my, I did my own work, and I thought, well, I felt like I was being held by my hand during high school, and I felt very unprepared for college. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a homeschooled child is is very independent in high school and is well prepared for college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with the boys serving the mass, I mean, that requires a high level of attention to detail, discipline. It is pretty strenuous. You have to control yourself, your body. You're not itching your face. You're not. You're really supposed to be a statue. Um, I don't know. I think that that's, that's a pretty rigorous activity. I agree. I was just thinking about that the other day. I thought, I think what our son is behind in his Latin. I thought, no, he learned the Mass. It's mm. That's not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's yeah. Well, that's true. We have an eight-year-old boy 
who knows all the prayers of the foot of the altar, and he can serve a low mass by himself if he had to. That's cool. I mean, that's which public school child can do that? Which Catholic school child can do that? Yeah. Look, this isn't an this is not an indictment on schools. Um, schools are great and they are the ideal, but this is definitely an indictment on the morals of the schools. And that's ultimately why we've chosen. And I think a lot of listeners of the restoring faith, uh, YouTube channel have also made likewise that same decision to school their children at home, mainly to preserve their innocence and protect them from the evils of the world. That's exactly right. To preserve their innocence. I think you took the children to the store when I had just had our fifth, and you came back and you said, it's so odd. All all the old women at the store were saying, look at the children's eyes, look at their eyes. Oh, yeah. And you and I were thinking, I think it's because they look innocent. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know why, but that that's always stayed in my heart, that I hope our children are, are innocent. I hope everyone's children are innocent. I hope all children have childhood mm-hmm. well it's been lovely lovely my dear having you here in studio thank you for sharing your thoughts on slowing down simplifying your life recollecting yourself and not tr- feeling like you have to keep up with the busiest family on the block thank you for having me Hey, if you like this show, uh, please subscribe to the channel. It would mean a lot. Um, Share the show. Consider becoming a patron. We've got a lot of interesting stuff happening here at Restoring the Faith. Can't wait to tell you about all of it. We will be debuting a whole lineup of new guests in the future and new content creators. So we have major announcements coming soon here at Restoring the Faith. Um, Check us out on Facebook. Like us. Follow us on Instagram. We are on Twitter as well, restoringthefaith.com. If you have a question or a comment for Mrs. Mike, or actually she goes by Lizette, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a question. She does read some of the comments some of the time when I ask her to. Uh, but I suspect on this show she will read and respond to the comments if, if you have any for her. It's been our pleasure. Take care. God bless you, and see you soon. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media, restoringthefaith.com.